Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is performed by the Game Brass from their newest album. It's called Brass Effect, a collection of two hours of space-themed music from games, including Mass Effect, of course, but also like DuckTales, FTL, Outer Wilds, Mega Man, Metroid, Sonic. It's quite a collection. And so I talked to them, all seven of them. Uh, the main members of the Game Brass, uh, I should say, because, of course, they had many special guests on the album, too, which we talk about. But in any event, they will introduce themselves individually shortly, but I'm also going to do it now, too, just to help you kind of wrap your brain around who you're going to hear speaking. Uh, So I'll tell you their main instruments with the understanding that these fellows play far more than just the instrument I'm about to list. Uh, Okay, so John Robert Matz and Robbie Duguay, those are both trumpeters. John Robert lives in the Chicago area. Robbie is in Toronto. On French horn, you have New York-based Danny Flam and Midland, Texas-based John Stacy. On trombone, there's Daniel Romberger in Pennsylvania. And on tuba, Alex Hill from Richmond, Virginia. Last but not least, one of the main arrangers for the album and the one who mixed it all, Thomas Kresge, who lives in New York. A uh, little heads up ahead of time about John Stacy, the horn player in Texas. His audio is pretty rough. He wasn't able to do the, you know, computer thing. He had to call in over the phone, and uh, just because of his busy life, he wasn't able to have the best audio uh, experience, so it's kind of hard to understand him at times. But I didn't want to just cut him out, so I promise you, if you listen closely, you can pick up on his thoughts about the Metroid arrangement that he did for the album and other things that uh, he talks about. So please do check out the Bandcamp page for The Game Brass, where you can buy their music, including past albums like The Horns of Hyrule, Brasilvania, and a handful of other albums. They're on Spotify and all those places as well, but it's always helpful to support musicians if you're able to. As for Level with Emily, you could join us on Discord, and you'll find that link in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us to talk about, you know, games, what you're playing, what you're listening to, all the things. And do uh, head over to the YouTube channel, and you can see this conversation that I had with uh, the seven main members of the Game Brass. That's youtube.com slash levelwithemilyreese. All right, here are the Game Brass, starting with John Robert Matz. Uh, I'm John Robert Matz, and I am uh, trumpet number one uh, in the Game Brass. I play B-flat, sometimes C, sometimes flugelhorn, sometimes piccolo trumpet, uh, occasionally bass trumpet when Thomas lets me. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's my job. I occasionally arrange things, too. So. Okay. Oh, and occasionally get to sing, but not on Brass Effect. Yep, yep, yeah, Singer extraordinaire. So we're coming back to that bass trumpet thing. Last time I played bass trumpet was as I was an undergrad in the 90s on... Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring. I got to play bass trumpet. Oh. But, oh. <laughs> yeah, there's like seven measures in the entire piece or something like that, but it's worth it. Sounds about right. Yeah. I, rem- <laughs> I, I remember uh, doing that yeah. once and we had like uh, our trombonist had a bass trumpet that he brought with for that. And it was like just an ancient thing, like all of my bass trumpets. But yeah, all of your bass trumpets? I'm sorry. I have, I have two. I have that one, which is <laughs> Who has two like, uh, which is like a, a Boozy Hawks, uh, like a British one, but I think it's actually yeah. made. What is in that? France. Uh, and then I've got 
this one here, which is a German rotary style one. Whoa! Uh, I've never seen a rotary one. It's uh, nice. It's weird. Neat. I like it, but it's also from like the 1800s and super eccentric. They're all both really eccentric. Base drop it is yep. weird. Well, yeah, they weren't really meant to exist, really, in some ways, but that's a whole other conversation. As for the rest of you, uh, Thomas, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> I'm Thomas Kresge, uh, uh, I guess the producer behind the album and a lot of the Game Brass's other stuff. Uh, do a lot of arranging and uh, do all the mixing for the, the group as well. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. That was one of my questions. All right. Uh, who's who's up next, Danny? Why don't you go ahead? Or there's two Dannys. Danny Music. Okay. Uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Danny, Danny Music, also known as Daniel Rumberger. I play trombone in the game Brass on Brass Effect on various tracks. I also played theremin, whistled, and euphonium. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of the group, and I also do a lot of arrangements, including all of the arrangements for the fifth game Brass album, Horns of Hyrule. Amazing. Love that. Yeah, we'll get to theremin and whistling for sure. Alex, how about you? You're up. <laughs> sure. Hello. Uh, my name is Alex Hill, and uh, I am the tubist of Game Brass. I uh, play on uh, FNC tuba, and I'm a mirophone recording and performing artist. Danny Flam. Uh, hi, I'm Danny Flam. I usually play bass trumpet. That's my main instrument. What? Who says that? <laughs> <laughs> Your yeah, son has can't be real. I'm a, I'm a bass <laughs> trumpetist. That's not real. Then, <laughs> <laughs> no one I'm says that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a trombone player. Uh, mostly, but mostly I do a lot of brass recordings and stuff. And uh, and I play French horn for the game brass. Is and that yeah. a Wagner tuba on the floor? What's on the floor? Oh, no, no. This is a chimbastang. Oh, no. The chimbastang is in the... Uh, I should have brought out my... Yeah, this is a... Uh, no, the tenor horn. Okay. Interesting. I guess it's been a minute since I've seen one of those. So yeah, so 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 Wagner tuba because he didn't get a budget basically to bring these, so he basically uh, redid the mouthpiece to have a French horn mouthpiece. So Wagner tuba and this are the same instrument. Ah, amazing! Basically. Learn something new every freaking day, don't you? Yeah. All right, Robbie, trumpet, tr another Hello. trumpet. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm Robbie Duguay. I play the second trumpet parts in the game brass. Uh, I'm another one of the co-founders of the group, and I am based in the greater Toronto area in Canada. Awesome. And John, John Stacy. Hello, I'm John Stacy. Um, in the game brass, I play second horn, and I'm also the auxiliary brass player, basically meaning that whenever there is a, uh, somebody can't do something or we need a, you know, third trumpet, or a extra bass trombone or whatever, I take care of that. Yeah. Um, I arrange a little bit, but outside of the game brass, I am a freelance horn player. I'm currently studying my doctorate in horn performance at Texas Tech University. Okay. And my other main job is I am horn of the Lovick Symphony Orchestra. Nice. Now, how many of you have um, done that professional orchestra gig at some point one just tuba okay yeah danny played trombone in in an orchestra yeah 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 i played okay. in the israel philharmonic i was uh, assistant uh, principal with zubin Meda. yeah yeah okay wow amazing well, thank you for the for the intros and, and again for the music. We're talking about Brass Effect today, which is two hours of 
you know, space-themed video game music arranged mostly for brass, but obviously you have so many guests come join you, including the highly esteemed Videri String Quartet, which is awesome, um, and vocalists and and all that stuff. But but I love finding out that that uh, uh, trombone Danny was well. You're both trombone Dannys. That's what's confusing. So how do it's you guys? How do you trumpet fit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if this rebranding is going to stick, but okay, yeah. we'll go with it. <laughs> yeah, we, we tend to call Danny Music Daniel, okay. and we call Danny Flame Danny. And oh, that okay. Pretty much yeah. keeps things straight for okay. us. Okay, all right. I will I will follow that. So Daniel's on my left and Danny's on the right. Okay. Yeah. So, In person, <laughs> I would call Daniel Danny to his face. So it's, okay. it's really easy to I get usually, confused about I usually it. do introduce myself as Danny to new people, but I am totally fine with any variation. <laughs> Dano. Now, um, yeah, oh, I, man. on a, <laughs> on a uh, uh, lovely walk through my neighborhood here in Minneapolis, uh, listening to, to Game Brass two days in a row because you can't do it in one one hour walk. It takes two one hour walks to get through the album, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would like just take screenshots, you know, as I was walking and be like, okay, listen to this track again for whatever. And when I heard the whistling, I'm like, I gotta know who the whistler is. And I love it that it's like one of the members of the you know, I just love that it's one of you guys that's that's doing that. And the theremin, too. So, I mean, first of all, how long have you been working on this album? Um, you know, like, uh, who, when did all of this start? Just the sheer amount of music. The, there have been a few starts. Uh, Thomas, I'll, I'll let you circle back. But I remember when we released Brasino Isles, at the very end of the stream, when we were doing the wrap-up, we we had Doug Perry from Disco Cactus uh, on the stream with us, and we sort of announced, like, hey, our next big project, one of our next big projects is going to be Brass Effect, and we flashed the words on the screen, and he, he just, like, he was laughing very hard, like, do you just pick albums based on puns? And obviously the answer is yes. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, so that was, <laughs> that was uh, 2020, I think. In okay. August yeah. or so? Yeah. yeah. So we, we had announced that it was going to be a thing then. I don't know if we had had any of the arrangements even started at that point, I, I though. think that the first yeah. one, the first arrangement was the one that I wrote for, the you know, for Mass Effect. And, yeah. and right. I think that oh, was wow. like... So it really started in April or May of 2021. last year, yeah. 2021. That's okay. right, yeah. But really more officially started in like August of last year. I have a bad okay. habit of coming up with terrible pun names and then like willing an album into like existence after the pun has been decided you know like it's like what, what's a good title and then it's like brassylvania it's gonna be all spooky music yeah and then we do it um yeah. and uh it, you know it's a brass effect that would be a great name for a space album yep and then we just make it happen yeah, no, it's fantastic. And well, let's go ahead and talk about the Mass Effect arrangement since that's what all all of it, you know, that's where it all started. And you know, as I said, when I was doing the bulk of my listening to this to this album, I was out walking, so you know, I didn't have any preparation, so to speak, for what was coming up next. And when the Mass Effect music started, I just I almost burst into tears. Just how like great that opening is and beautiful and oh my god, I just I loved that.
So you said you did that arrangement, John Robert? Yeah, I was. I, I Mass Effect is like one of my favorite game series. Uh, yeah, I it mean, is. It is. Yeah. Uh, it, it is. It is Bioware at like their their peak of like character writing and story arc, like d- design of like world building. It's. It is as a as a as a person that likes story driven games and like likes RPGs in principle, but actually like mechanically my brain loves shooters. It's a perfect (laughs) combination of, Hey, what if we had like a really like well-written sci-fi? I mean, I'm a huge Star Trek nerd too. So what if we had a Star Trek feeling sci-fi space opera, like with just big galaxy spanning consequences Mm -hmm. and really compelling characters and a found family which is always a good trope and like and then (laughs) wrap that all up in a really neat universe and with like some very very compelling music from a like a a group of composers uh, across you know spread across three games that all go together really pretty darn well all things considered uh and like i gotta i gotta do that i want i want that one like usually Mm -hmm. see this is the terrible confession that i'll make here I never had game consoles growing up. I only ever had PCs because my parents would not let me get something that was just for games. It had to be for other things. So I became a PC gamer. And most of the stuff we like we come back to a lot is like Sonic games and like Nintendo games and stuff that is things that I never had growing up. But this yeah. was a thing that I came at a very like formative time in my life. And I, I remember like playing the first one when I was like starting college and the last one when I was finishing college and it was like these are super important games to me. I want to do this. Yeah. And so as I started trying to figure it out, I'm like, all right, well, first of all, I can't just if the whole album is called Brass Effect, we can't just do the theme from Mass Effect and that's it. I gotta yeah. go all in and become like go way way too big. And so I was like, <laughs> what tracks are important from the entire trilogy? Mm-hmm. And how can I arrange them in a way that will describe a, a thematic dramatic arc across the emotional structure of the entire trilogy of games? Uh, and so I chose the tracks that I felt fit the best. You know, we have our opening, which is the stuff you hear the very first time you boot up the original game. We get to the Citadel, which is like one of these big, spectacular moments uh, in uh in ma in you know in mass effect history we get uh you know in, in that becomes like a core piece of the mass effect storyline we go to uh we start to like deal with the uh the suicide mission and the end run stuff that you get in mass effect 2 which yeah. is like this pivotal point in that game's story arc and then we bring it back around to the very end uh in mass effect 3 where we are like looking at like the final fight and like i, I like the kind of conflating the conflict stuff from two with the conflict stuff in three and that moment at the end when you are sitting there and like in a meditate, you know, the almost meditative state as the destruction is happening around you mm-hmm. and then bringing it back to a triumphant end by coming back to the original Mass Effect theme like that felt like the way to do it, yeah. the way to structure it. And I knew that just brass would be nice, but I thought we could the scope was so much that I wanted to include some more sounds and I wanted to include some friends. And so Videri, I love them. They're wonderful. Like they've changed, you know, they've changed members over the years, but they're, they're 
just a phenomenal group of players. And so it's like, we got to get them in here. Mm-hmm. And Purple Shala is a wonderful, wonderful pianist. And there's some stuff in there that like the way that uh, the, you know, Jack Wall and Sam Hewlett and, and, and company like put together that score. It's very synth and orchestra hybrid. Yeah. And that a lot of those things, a lot of these ostinato patterns, you know, things like that, like they lend themselves well to non-brass instruments. And mm-hmm. piano specifically felt like a good bet, especially since at some of these key moments later in, the piano is a feature in the original score. And so it's like, let's do almost, almost like proper hearkening back and transform it after that mm-hmm. and so those are the instrument choices that made sense to me and like trying to get us uh you know carry us on this em- emotional journey from the beginning of the trilogy to the end of the trilogy yeah. in a five movement or <laughs> whatever uh yeah. suite uh yeah. featuring you know a group you know a group that starts off with just brass grows to brass and strings and then finally brass strings and piano it's like we're adding more people to our crew as we journey to the end I mean, I have a whole list of, of tracks here. I need to pull it up, though, because I didn't do that before we started talking. Here we go. Um, I, I want to talk about Starlight Zone because there's this adorable little horn lick in there that just every time whoever the horn player on that little horn lick, it just makes me laugh every time I hear it because you're all like, and it, I just love that. So who who was that? Uh, it's two hours. Go, go remember. Dan, Danny would have played horn on that one. <laughs> it would have been Danny, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, God, that's so funny. I just, I just loved that, that little lick. It's it's ultimately probably a Thomas question because because you were big on Sonic as a kid and this is the track you arranged or one of the tracks you arranged right Thomas? Yeah, I wanted to do a track like this for seven albums now. So tell me all about it. It's it's fantastic, (laughs) Thomas. I love it. I I mean, I wish I had more to say about it. It was just I I don't know. Besides, I like this track. (laughs) I mean, like like you know, we have a space album. There's there's probably a dozen different tracks I wanted to do. Oh yeah. Um, only you know. Yeah, it's not about the lick; it's about the journey. Three or <laughs> you know, maybe, right. maybe three or four of them got got picked from from that list. Um, and this one, I guess, I was maybe stretching a little bit because it isn't really a space themed level or anything. It just has the word "star" in the title. <laughs> but um, but I guess some you listen to and you think, okay, this would sound good. I think I think I remember hearing like the main melody just on solo trumpet like the way the piece starts yeah. is what stood out to me as like the most important thing to get mm-hmm. um 
and then if you have an idea on how to arrange it, it's you know, might as well go for it. Daniel, let's talk about theremin, because sure. uh, pretty early that comes up. Now, how long have you been a theremin player? Um, I think I got it as a high school graduation present, so oh, wow. yeah. about 10 years at this point, playing it on and off. Okay. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, it's such a fascinatingly weird instrument in so many great ways. But uh, <laughs> did is this something that you, you know, you play theremin out and about as well? You're, are you like a gigging theremin player? I have played live a couple times. Relatively recently, actually, come to think about it. Uh, it's also nice that it's around Halloween time. I usually get a bunch of people who ask me to play theremin, uh, sometimes in person, but oftentimes online uh, for Halloween spooky season because, oh my gosh, spooky alien instrument. Yeah. Uh, so for the Game Brass, this is actually, I think, the third or fourth time that I played theremin on the tracks. We actually had it in our... Second album, Brasylvania, during Luigi's Mansion, where I think it was Thomas's first time writing for the instrument and, uh, oh, spooky ghost kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Brass Effect was a very good fit. Rahul Vanamali arranged Battle Deoxys, which is the one that I played Theremin on, and yeah. that is about an alien Pokemon from outer space. In the game, you actually uh, battle against it on in outer space itself with the moon in the background. Uh, it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool theme. a theremin part for Space Boyfriend from Omori, where with that with that track, uh, the battle themes in Omori have a very prominent synth layer, and I wanted to create a sound that fits in well in a chamber setting to replicate some of those synth effects. So then that ended up being what inspired me to include the theremin for Space Boyfriend, the track. And then as the piece and the arrangement kind of evolved along and went through a lot of the themes that are associated with the character Space Boyfriend, the instrument itself took on a bit of a character of its own. <laughs> times where uh you know like if a if a horn or a trombone or one of the lower brass lower brass instruments is doing like a rip way up high it can almost sound theremin-y you know what i mean mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I've I've had my whistling get compared to my theremin playing oh, really? before, which I think is also <laughs> very funny. <laughs> Your whistling is fantastic. It's so ah, good. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> oh, there's nothing better than a whistler in a tune. I love it. It's fabulous. <laughs> You'll notice yeah. that Daniel only does uh, performances that don't have like fixed pitches. He can just glissando through anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't, don't give him any keys. He'll be, but if you don't give him keys, he's fine. He can just, I, hey, I'm, I'm getting better at euphonium. I played a little bit of euphonium in this album, and that was kind of a new thing. Okay. Uh, Credit where credit's due. Brasilvania, yeah. uh, Thomas actually wrote me a whistling part as well for the track Life is Beautiful, which is okay. like the one optimistic, not spooky track on the album. And. <laughs> When we did Life is Beautiful, the final melody that has whistling, I I did a version where I took it up the octave, and Thomas didn't include that take. However, for <laughs> this one, Travelers, I also did a version where I took the final melody up the octave, and then we included it this time. <laughs> Space Sonic Adventure 2 has some really fun, really fun tuba in it, Alex. And I would just love to hear you talk about just honking away down at the bottom and laying it down for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I I loved Mad Space. Like there, there are a lot of arrangements that that have a lot of great tuba parts in general. Mm-hmm. But Mad Space was just fun because the whole time just so this one was really cool because like I was playing almost the entire time, and a lot of it is just uh playing it like the right below the staff or whatnot and then you got to jump down and in, into the basement and then yeah. back up real quick so that one was that one was just a lot of fun it was, yeah it just yeah. really groovy groovy was the best part i love it when people write um all kinds of tuba parts it's like my favorite part about playing especially with like with game brass and for people who arrange for us because like you know, and, and a lot of like media and a lot of like other recordings, like orchestra or, or whatnot. Uh, I'm playing whole notes, or I'm just kind of, um, mm-hmm. you know, chilling out. Uh, it's nothing too wild, but um, I always tell people to just go ham, go wild when you write a tuba part. I'll be okay, and uh, so then they always give me something really fun. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, your YouTube channel proves it. I mean, you just have so many great arrangements on there. And I remember, um, you you know, in college, you know, you have to learn all the brass instruments or learn all the string instruments, right? We all know this. And um, God, tuba's hard, man. For a trumpet player, I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't do, I just couldn't do it. The (laughs) The air, I just didn't have the right lung shape or I don't know what. Capacity, capacity, velocity, all the things, (laughs) all the science. It's wild. I kind of had it like backwards. Like I actually started on trumpet. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah, I started on trumpet and then I had a private lessons teacher and he was like, you know what, based on like your like lip structure and some other things, you might want to try tuba. And they sent me home with a tuba and I was just like, wow, I love this. (laughs) (laughs) 
interesting. Did any of the rest of you have kind of weird beginnings in that way where you started on like, oh, but well, there's the oboe thing that you do too, Alex, but oh. uh, in the video, <laughs> but the- uh, yeah, yeah, you just pull an oboe out of your tuba. But um, uh, did anybody else have any kind of unusual beginnings musically like that? I started on recorder. So okay. like my main, like, and I still record, I still do it like for five years and I'm like, really? I'm very, yeah, I'm a very strong recorder player and I do a <laughs> lot of recordings, like a lot of like professional recorder things. No kidding. Awesome. Yeah. So you have like really nice wooden ones and alto. And, no, oh, okay. plastic ones sound great. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> they can though. I mean, like, you know, you just got to stay away from the shrill side. Yeah. yeah no, I also make, I, you can like get the software and I have like, uh, like in a, B, a B flat recorder and all kinds of different keys. So you can actually play a lot of the stuff that you can't play on a regular recorder. Sure. So yeah, things yeah. of that, that nature. So anybody else have a, a different beginning than? I started on cornet, which isn't that weird. Uh, right. But, well, it's not that and, normal either, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, you know, my dad was a trumpet player, but he had a cornet from when he was a kid that belonged to his dad, mm-hmm. and he gave that to me, and that's my first instrument, and I stuck with that, and I wound up getting another cornet at some point huh. when I was like in middle school or high school because yeah. I've you know been sticking with it, and it was like. I I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to keep playing cornet because nobody <laughs> does it just because I want to be like this outsider that plays cornet. How long and did I that totally, last? It didn't last. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. I, got, I wound up getting, I, then, then like I was, then I was like offered a, my, I was then offered my, my Shilky B7, my Ooh. 1973 custom Shilky, like, like Shilky uh, with the weird tunable bell, which is like a prototype. It was like, they, they, they were just trying this thing out. Uh, yeah. For like three hundred and seventy-one dollars by a good friend of mine who wow. is now like a euphonium professor out west, uh, he's like, "Listen, I don't play this anymore, but I think you could probably use this." I'm like, "Wow, this is a really nice horn. Yes, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll take it for this much money, sure." Uh, and so that became a trumpet player, and I unfortunately have only looked back occasionally ever since then. But the the cornet, uh, yeah, the heart beats in there somewhere. <laughs> a special place for it. Tiny little. I still play them sometimes. In fact. In fact, uh, there's a little bit of cornet in this. Oh, uh, nice. At the beginning of, of, of John Stacy's track. Uh, I don't know if this is a good segue, but we should probably talk about that when we get there. Um, Which one is John's? A, uh, Met- the Metroid one. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, that's on my list, of course. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to that when we get to it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean. I don't want to steal his thunder. No, we should, we should talk about it now. I mean, that is a good oh, segue okay. because, because, yeah, I, I, I have kind of a similar life young young life as you john robert in that i didn't have consoles but i didn't get a pc either i wasn't allowed to game so i didn't grow up even though i grew up in the 80s i could have easily been amazing at metroid and zelda and mario and all the early things i never <laughs> i never was exposed to those so you know i came to the metroid soundtrack as an adult and um oh my god it's it's seriously one of my favorite old it, you know, old school chiptune soundtracks. I just think it's it's so incredibly like special, you know? So, um, John, I'd love to hear you talk about arranging that because it's so sparse in the beginning, right? And, uh, uh, but yeah, John, t- tell me about making making that happen. So actually, this is the second time I've arranged Metroid for a thing. I did an arrangement of the Metroid title theme for Jenny uh, Flam's Big band a while ago, and so I'm like, well, I got to do something different now. I got to do something that's not that. Yeah. Um, I'm currently walking around the sun, so I'm trying to find a quiet place. So sorry for the background noise, but <laughs> it um, <happens. laughs> And the fun story there is that the opening 
of the Metroid suite was actually written more or less in one sitting. Oh, I wow. was uh, sitting in a hospital room actually huh. awaiting the birth of a child. And so I was like, well, I'm going to get started on Metroid and because I'm sitting here. What made it difficult? Um, basically, it's like it's a lot of things that whenever you're listening to it, it makes perfect sense. But whenever you're recording it on your own, you know, it don't make sense at all. Like it's, you know, like how does this fit in? And so it goes, the Ridley battle is a lot of uh, shop zone. It's essentially just these photographs that in it. And whenever you're recording these on your own, basically these pictures that don't seem to relate to each other. And it's just like, how does this work? But then whenever you hear it, it's like, oh, yeah, that was together. I get how it's supposed to go. So that was the main difficult there. Yeah, I had a number of like revelation moments with this track because the first time I heard it, I was just very confused. Uh, I'll be completely honest. I'm not like a top tier musician, so I'm okay with saying this. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't count it. I couldn't hit some of the notes. I was, I just, you know, take after take after take, got through my part eventually. And then when I heard the first rough mix with all of the parts together performed with the dynamics is like the lights went on. Oh, I get it. Sure. And that's, yeah. I think that's sort of what, what John Stacey was getting at is like in isolation, it's so confusing sometimes, but as the larger, yep. as you hear the larger piece, it's like, oh, it makes sense. And then with the addition of John Roberts percussion stuff and some of the orchestration um, additions from, from Thomas, 
the lights go on again. Like I just uh, hearing it <laughs> when I was I was working on the mastering, like oh I I get this and I like this now. Whereas when I started it, you know, we joked about having Metroid dread. We uh, it was difficult <laughs> to record at the beginning. Yeah, we were we were dreading it at the beginning. I don't know, like or at least it, it started off like, like that. The I, I am honestly like uh, John John's uh, arrangement was absolutely like fantastic and f really just compelling in in scope and textures that he like got out of the ensemble. But when I was listening to it, you know, just the the mock up version, I'm sitting there and going like, I want to hear more like at the bottom end here i feel like there needs to be some kind of percussive motor here but like it's it's miss it's missing like the, the core is uh, is here but there's these things that we could add to enhance it and i think that would yeah. be really really cool and so started to kind of you know like like well what if we took what if we what if we took a different kind of tack than we normally have, which is like a lot of live instruments performed by live people? Like, what if we go into like a retro, like like retro synth hole and do like let's use weird, creepy horror sci-fi sounds and <laughs> strange like analog like Moog synth kind of like emulation and and do mm -hmm. stuff like that and and use that and then like there are sections where it's strange shifting meters that like you could you could without the percussion percussion that you hear in the final track it feels like there's something but you can't quite put your finger on where stuff is and it's like fleshing these out with like like there's like a point where there's a pulse that is across bar lines in a weird way that once you it, it's like the ghost of the thing is there in the original <laughs> track and I've just gone and highlighted it with, with samples and or in synths and, and and Thomas came in and took what I gave him and further enhanced it chose this bit and not that bit came back and I tweaked a few more things and like like fleshed out the rest of this stuff so that we have this the core like uh human ensemble as it were and then the mm -hmm. the unearthly uh the terrible <laughs> the synthetic uh <laughs> on the other on the on the flip side of it and I think like together it all like comes together like super well like to add that is like, like when it comes to like tracks like this one um the 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 fact that that people like ro rise to like levels like the the professional level of like these albums are uncompromising it's not like uh like most of the people in, in the in the ensemble are not professional performers they're professional musicians they do composition and they do like amazing work on 
like like video game production and all facets of 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 of, of music. But but when it comes to performance, they're not like performing every day, and they come and they play this like on a, a, an incredible technical skill level. It's it's pretty amazing to see, you know, because the, yeah. uh, originally the goal of the game brass was to be something like the Canadian brass of, of video game music. That was that was our our original thought, and I think we're executing that uh, pretty well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you bring up the Canadian brass, I mean, one of the things I loved about listening to them as a kid was their their um, not ability, but um, just their desire to to make things less more than just a brass quintet right? right it was like let's bring in other people and do fun stuff with other musicians and let's yeah. add percussion and let's do a jazzy track or you know something like that that always made i, I liked that when i was a kid when i think know? of the canadian brass like i the two things i think of are like just ridiculously high levels of musicianship Good and Lord, very yeah. sophisticated like arranging but that is also fun yeah. always fun even yeah. when they're doing very strict classical we're gonna play some bach for you now they still manage to make it fun not that bach yeah. isn't fun for nerds like me but <laughs> they make it fun and and it, it just yeah. they they will they will like the the people that go to see their concerts or listen to their albums like you know like you said they collaborate with people they they make they put smiles on people's faces it sounds really mm -hmm. kind of cheesy and saccharine to say that but it's true right no, it's definitely true. And also to kind of to kind of piggyback on what Danny was saying about how, you know, obviously no disrespect, but you guys not being like professional performers for the most part. I mean, that what would that be like do you think if you all got together for a gig and played an hour long actually, show? Yeah. <laughs> we we would have yeah, done like, it before it like we have. with like, We've done it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying you couldn't. I'm not at all. I'm just saying, like, for me, I would never have the stamina. I could sit down and record a tune, but then I couldn't do that for an hour. That's and there's a the that's problem. A, that's yeah, a challenge. That's yeah. the biggest problem that we face. Uh, for somebody like yeah. Danny Flam, who plays gigs 18 nights a week, uh, yeah. you know, six hours of playing <laughs> trombone and trumpet, he can come in and play a whole set and not run out of chops. Or someone like Alex. Like, Alex is a tank of a tuba player. You, you have the endurance of, <laughs> I don't know what to compare you to. Uh, <laughs> but you. I am comfortable to fully admit that I have zero endurance. Yeah. Uh, and so when we, you know, we've played before together at MAGFest, we've done stuff in the hallways, we've done the Belvedere. And when, uh, when we're preparing for something like that, I have to actually sit down and play for as long as I can every day to get yeah. just enough endurance to be able to play a 40 minute or an hour long set at MAGFest together. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's been nice to, to do things like that. We, we haven't gotten together outside of, of MAGFest, um, but when we have, there's this, we ha we've had a tradition of having a rehearsal on day zero at like one in the morning. It's not intentional, <laughs> but it just happens every time. Yeah, just yeah. Just based on yeah. when everyone arrives and stuff. And so we all get to the hotel, we all check in, and then we head to like the bottom corner of the convention center where we're not going to bother anybody. And we have yeah. this rehearsal. And from the first note, when we actually all start an arrangement, it's like, it feels like home. Like, it's like, yeah, okay, we can do this. Like, it, it just sounds better than we expected it to because we live all over North America and we don't rehearse. So it's a pleasant surprise, uh, endurance right. aside. One of the things mm -hmm. that I realized, like, as, as, uh, you know, as a performer, like I can record stuff. The way I record stuff is 
a little bit brute force. I will play a phrase and then I'll do the phrase again. I'll do the phrase again. I'll do the phrase again. There we go. That's good. Now move on. Next phrase. And yeah. like, I'll just knock stuff out like that. And it is a kind of a terrible brute force method. But when I am, especially in my own work and when I've recorded for other people, I'm switching instruments all the time and it's never like the most optimal setup. Um, yeah. But I will get... And that's hard on your chops too. Like we all know that, but apparently not for Danny Flam, it's not hard. But like if I was going back and forth from trumpet and trombone, that would be a big yeah. issue for me. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just want no, no, I mean, the listener to understand that that's not easy to do. Just switch instruments all it, the time. There's a it, reason took me, one... it took me a good like eight to 10 years to actually be able to do something like that. So, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. It doesn't come I mean, overnight. Yeah. And when I'm recording my own stuff and doing doing like trumpet to French horn to, you know, <laughs> doing a trumpet section of three or four trumpets and then a horn section yeah. of four horns and then a fake trombone section of two trombones that are just bass trumpets, <laughs> I'll do those last. <laughs> and then I will like, rela- oh, like I'll fantastic. spend time cleaning up all the recordings while my lips like recover from like what I've just put them through. Like yeah. when we talk about like live shows, like both Robbie and I are full-time game audio people. Like I'm, I'm a composer. He runs an entire game audio studio uh, up yeah. in Canada. And like, those are full-time jobs. Uh, and mm-hmm. if you want to be a full-time player, like you got to be either practicing all the time or gigging all the yeah. time to have that kind of that skill. And I think back to like, when I was in college, like I didn't practice a ton, but the nine hours of rehearsals a week definitely like covered for that, you know, for sure. Uh, yeah. And and so like having to like think about, you know, whenever we've done stuff at MAGFest or, you know, things like that where I'm going to play live, I'm like, I got to practice and I got to yeah. like slowly try to build up that endurance because here mm-hmm. if my endurance like if I I definitely push myself to the limit when I'm recording for people, but you know, when I'm when I'm pushing myself like that, like if you know, if I didn't get it this time, I just do it again. And if the t- the tone isn't quite there, I can just try that one more take, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I'm done at the end of the day, and it's fine. And the audience will only ever hear the the ideal version of it. Right. Uh, so there's some smoke right. and mirrors in how we work, but you know. Well, yeah, and and you know, Thomas, you said that you did the mixing, so when. John Robert, well, how are you guys sending your files to him then? So, John Robert, if you do 12 takes of the opening phrase oh. in one tune, are you assembling it for him? Best takes? Yeah, or? so, yeah, yeah. They, they okay. Be. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we all, um, when we record, we, uh, we basically, we sit down and we make our, our perfect version. Um, and, uh, okay. And that's like, I'm going to record everything. I'm going to give you the best takes of it. And then, uh, we all use a, audio plugin called Melodyne, which is a super useful like pitch and time correction tool that doesn't make things sound yeah. too per- it, it doesn't like distort the sound in any weird way. It works really, really yeah. well. It's very transparent. Um, mostly. Mostly, yeah. yeah. You can, if you ex- push things extremes, it's it's a problem. But but the thing is, uh, one of the things that you don't really talk about, and one of the reasons that like when, like what Robbie was saying is when we rehearse together and it just feels like home, there is such a radical difference in the sound you get when you are playing to a, you're playing your instrument to a mock-up that has, there's no, there's no give or take. There's no, and there's none of that like, oh, I'm going to tune to them. They're going to tune to me. We all arrive at a resonant sound. No, it's, it's very artificial. You just, you, you, you give it your most expressive performance Mm -hmm. to the computer 
and then you clean it up <laughs> so that it's closer to perfect and then everyone else cleans up theirs and then we put it all together and just 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 make it perfect that way but when you're all together in a place everybody is listening and hearing and using their brains and all the intonation just kind of shifts and locks and we balance and it feels good and that's like that's the thing you get when you are in an ensemble and you practice on a regular basis you get good at slipping into that ensemble yeah. sound and because we don't record at the same time there's no way to record at the same time because we're all over the world yeah yeah you end up with having to artificially create that ensemble in post I'll say yeah. I'll say with that it's not exclusively in post. One thing that does help us that uh, we've been using throughout the course of the years is that whoever is the first person to record, which is oftentimes John Robert, he will often be the trendsetter for things like articulations or crescendos so that way when i sit down to record in addition to the mock-up and the click track i pull john roberts part in and that way sure. i can tell as the arrangement is going along it's like okay if i have a quarter note staccato here well how did john robert interpret this quarter note staccato if i have a forte piano with a crescendo afterward um i want to make these articulations i want to make these dynamics in such a way that they are they match and are cohesive with the rest of the ensemble so mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i think i think we can actually look if you listen through the progression of our albums you can hear how much better we got at it to the point where right now i'm already imagining what it's going to sound like in the final version and i'm actually i'm actually like interacting with whatever is not there yet but i know what it's supposed to be there yeah, you yeah. understand the voices that the other people I, in the ensemble have. I get how yeah. Beethoven wrote a whole symphony without hearing anything, you know? Yeah, when I, just going back to the whole, like, switching thing, I always loved horn and and feel like, you know, if I went back and had to choose a brass instrument again, I probably would play horn. But when I play horn now, I definitely, well, I haven't picked up a horn in 20 years probably, but I always sounded like a trumpet player playing horn, right? Right. You know, I never sounded like an actual horn player, <laughs> yeah. even though I had amazing range on the French horn. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, could, I couldn't really pull off the horn sound. You know? I, had to, I had to take, uh, so what happened was is when I was playing in the orchestra, I, I actually went to the principals like, uh, and sat down with them and they, we did, I took horn lessons like from the oh, wow. and they taught me how to play like like it's a different approach to sound production it's a whole you know yeah. each instrument has it, it's basically learning a new instrument from the beginning it's like you have a mm -hmm. little bit of edge that you you know breathing and you know how to produce sound but the philosophy of the instrument is a different philosophy so you have to right. like be a hornist when you're playing a hornet and you have to be a trombone player when you're playing trombone otherwise it doesn't work So 
So you had some vocals too. Um, do you want to talk any, at all about any of the vocal stuff? Like uh, the Mad, Mad Space that has all that great tube in it from Alex has a has some really fun vocal stuff in there. That's Lauren Travia all the way. Oh, it is. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I even sir. knew that. Okay, yeah, no, she's fantastic. Does she learning. play anything else, or is she, quote-unquote, only singing on this album? Uh, on this album, only singing. Disco okay. Cactus uh, joined us on Brasino Isles playing their normal instruments, whatever that okay. means for them. Um, <laughs> uh, for Laura, that's usually flute. Um, but yeah. and, they, and, they, um, and that track wasn't actually specifically written for them. Um, uh, mm. The arranger, Eileen Snyder, um, has done a lot of arrangements in that kind of style before, and yeah. she went with that and gave us this and said, "I want to put a vocalist in it," and uh, and it's a hard vocal part, <laughs> so yeah. okay, we need to find somebody who can actually play this track because it's difficult, <laughs> not just that, but all the percussion <laughs> too. And uh, then yeah. we settled on Disco Cactus because they have a resident singer and a bunch nice. of good musicians that can. Laura off. is Laura is fantastic, and any chance to yeah. get to like collaborate with her as a flautist, as a singer, is is always a wonderful time. I yeah. didn't know that it had vocals when we first got the parts, <laughs> <laughs> so there were no vocals in the mock-up. So I'm just like, it's a weird piece. It's a really weird piece, and it's got all these shifting meters, <laughs> yeah. and it's like I don't know how I feel about this. So, and there was no yeah. percussion in it either, and it was just like a weird mock-up mm. with like like lots of temp, everything, and none of it made any sense. And I just was like, just. <laughs> beating your head against the wall to like line stuff up and make yeah. it like feel like something and then we hear the final version of like this cooks it's fantastic yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely another one like Metroid where I struggled to record it and then heard the final and, and the lights went on Yeah, and I'm curious about that, he, hearing the final. Do you guys have a listening party together where you listen to it all, or do you listen separately and then get together and talk about it? Both, yes. Uh, Both, yes. So as, yeah. as I didn't know if there are... was like a big reveal where, you you know, yeah. So yeah, no. um, we communicate mostly on Slack, and so there's a, a Slack channel for mixed feedback, and as things are getting assembled, Thomas will post uh, the latest mix of certain tracks, and we'll mm -hmm. go in and make our comments and say, oh, I heard uh, a mistake here. Oh, can we make the tube louder there? You know, that kind of stuff. So we get to hear mm -hmm. kind of all the steps along the way, which is really nice. And then yeah. um, once things are all complete, uh, not every time, but a lot of the times I'll do the the mastering of of the whole album. So then I'll send out like, hey, here's the folder with every song and we'll listen individually and make our comments. And then when it comes time to release the album, we always do listening parties on either our YouTube channel or our Twitch channel or both. Oh, because you had a live one just recently. That's right, I mean, yeah. you yeah. just you just had one on on YouTube. It was last week. Now it'll be a couple weeks until this publishes. But uh, right. what would that have been on the um Ninth and the twelfth. Ninth, the ninth. Yeah, yeah we mm -hmm. we had to break it into two sessions, similar to your your walk listen through. <laughs> and if we were gonna talk about every track a little bit, we we're like, this is gonna yeah. be a four hour stream. Nobody really wants a four hour. So we did it over two <laughs> nights, and think it went, yeah. it went pretty well. You know, like yeah. uh, little like like little bits of information about the. You know, one of the things that like if you're just looking at this as an album. You won't yeah. realize is that we have made a music video for every single one of these tracks. 
Uh, and oh. so we're showing the music videos for these things, and we go way too deep on the music video front and do all kinds <laughs> of nonsense. And so we're talking about writing the arrangements. We're talking about like how we achieved these ridiculous visuals, like capturing footage of the game, modifying the game to get like wow. you know like weird free camera stuff or no UI or like all the textures to do stuff so anyway but yeah just consider this a plug check out our youtube if you want to see for sure <laughs> these crazy videos because they're <laughs> i don't know we 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 definitely devoted way too much time to them um and uh, well i don't know if that's it's, it's good too much time but yeah yeah and of course Bandcamp. your stuff's up on Bandcamp. it's on spotify and things too but i always encourage folks to buy it and p.s t-shirts I have a T-shirt coming. I wish I would have gotten it by today, so I could have worn it. But, but uh, uh, just so just so uh, the listener knows, you can get yourself a really neat Brass Effect uh, T-shirt because the logo is really cool. Who who did the art? So the uh, the album art was by our good friend Scott Gamble. He has okay. been working with us since uh, Snowtopia. So oh, nice. uh, he did okay. the Snowtopia art, the Brasilvania art, the. Uh, the Horns of Hyrule art was uh, Emma. I believe A Link to the Brass was also Emma, but Scott did our uh, all of our other albums. Yeah, uh, okay. including Castles and... Uh, Brassino yeah, Isles. Brassino, thank you. So um, we've been working with him for a long, long time. Um, yeah. He he came up with the most of the, the concept. And we, we sort of gave him the reference of like, we want to be a team of astronauts going on a mission. So think like mission patch, <laughs> think like, you know, this kind of stuff. Yeah. So he took that. Um, he uh, did not do the patches though. The patches were made by uh, Henry Faber who designed our original Game Brass logo. Then, uh, who? So, does someone play Destiny? Is are there any Destiny players? Okay, so is that Me. why the Destiny two? Because Sepix Prime is like, like one of my favorite. It's like probably my favorite strike just from the old days. Because I yes. started playing Destiny yeah. when it came out in 15, 14, 14. and then you know I think like a lot of people, I was like, okay, that's enough Destiny. And then Destiny two came out, and I dabbled, and then I was like, okay, that's too much Destiny now. But now I'm back doing it again because. <laughs> That exactly describes my experience. I can never yeah. get out. <laughs> so the Sepix Prime stuff is great because that's old Marty O'Donnell Destiny music, right? So, so talk to me about it, Alex. Oh, uh, well, as far as the arrangement goes, uh, that was all Robbie. Um, oh, it was Robbie. Yes. Okay, I, I apologize. I you pushed, were probably down there going, Oh, me, no, I, I was so excited for <laughs> Destiny. And for when we were talking about what we wanted to add, I was pushed for Destiny so hard because I knew yeah. I wanted, like, I wanted either something, like, I was just, because, like, all the old, tracks are super good especially just like Sepik Prime especially but like yeah and then then it's difficult because because then there was like oh uh, at the time there was a new Destiny raid and there's a there's a track from that called Deep Stone Crypt uh, Deep Stone Lullaby I'm sorry is, is the name of the track now we were like there's so many Destiny tracks to choose but uh, Robbie had an awesome idea uh, for Sepix as a way to pay homage to both one and two um, I think yeah. it'd be great to talk about what what he did there yeah, so yeah. You, you, the what 
the way you explained your Destiny experience very much mirrors what happened with me. I played the heck out of Destiny 1. And actually, Henry, who designed our Game Breast logo, we would be in a fire team together. We'd just run nice. stuff like every night. And then, yeah, yeah dabbled a little bit in Destiny 2, got out, and then here we are. Uh, but yeah. I knew that that Sepix Prime was one of my, my favorite tracks from it. And yeah. uh, talking to Alex, we knew we had to, I mean, we always joke that we have to have this track on the album for every track on the album. <laughs> every but single track. I knew there it's had to be necessary. Gotta have it. We had talked yeah, about yes. arranging The Last Array or The Traveler or, mm, you know, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Cabal yeah. Stomp or Dust Giants. Like, there's just so many good Destiny yeah. tracks that we could pull from it. And to bring brass to it would sort of make it its own thing. Um, but Alex yeah. showed me the the Sepix Prime version from Destiny 2, which I hadn't heard. So then I'm like, wait a minute, there's this there's this metal version, and then there's this like orchestral version. Yep. What if we kind of meet in the middle? And so yeah. uh, longtime collaborator, uh, Ro Panagansi, uh, we knew we wanted to work with him on one of the tracks on the album. Why not this one? Perfect time to, <laughs> to get like the heavy brass going and the, the heavy guitars, so. It was a lot of fun to arrange. Yeah, the guitar stuff's great. Yeah, I mean, I felt the same way the first time I entered that strike after having not played Destiny for years. And because, you know, for those who aren't Destiny players, they reworked a lot of the old stuff for the new game, probably to save some money, but uh, whatever. Maybe because it was a fan favorite, I don't know. But um, the strike is just a little different in place. You know, it's just, it's a different little mission than what I was used to. And, and I just, I loved the way they redid that music. I thought that was really fun. Yeah. One funny like bit of information you may enjoy, uh, Emily, is that uh, <clears throat> for the uh, for the video, we were we were filming it right around the time that uh, Destiny had just Destiny Two had just dropped the uh, the new expansion, the Witch Queen expansion. Witch Queen, and yeah. with that came an emote uh, that in the video you see with me holding trombone, and yes, if you get two other people yes. with the trumpets. Yes, they had yes. just released that, and we were about to film, and I was like we need this is perfect and so i yes. bought that emote immediately nice. for the filming of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of i i one of my fire teammates has has it as well and we're always like all right ready up time to play in the brass band yep. but it up, yeah it it's perfect <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, we we j are jokingly called fire team trumpet just so you know awesome. i love it i love it <laughs> yeah we were joking around the other day that i think destiny is the only game that has brass instruments in it on Brass Effect that like naturally occur. We've we've modded them in for other things, but that's the only yeah, yeah. game on two hours worth yeah. of music that actually has a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, and just totally on the flip side then, kind of in that same vein, is every everybody, uh, every every. all I wrote down was everybody rapture, because I can never freaking remember. Everybody's, everybody's gone, gone to, the to the rapture. Yes, everybody's gone to the rapture. I know this in my brain. Jessica Curry, absolutely fantastic soundtrack. Talk to me about that uh, choice, because that's very brass choir-y, right? It's very traditional brass choir there. Yeah, this was, this was me at, like, how do I put this? This was me at peak Canadian brass Christmas time lullaby <laughs> mode. Um, you got like hot chocolate and yeah, like, Jessica I mean, Curry. Hot chocolate and Jessica Curry. I mean like everybody's gone to the rapture is a, a game that is rather niche. Uh, I mean from, it is from the Chinese room. So it's like their second, I think this is their second or third major game that they've done after Dear Esther, which was their first, which started out life as a Half-Life 2 mod and, became a full-fledged game and uh the score is one of the best things i think that like video game music has created in the past decade i think i like secretly it's at least (laughs) as just like it is tremendous choral music like there is just fantastic choral writing fantastic orchestral stuff it is like in the in the greatest traditions of like what i think it was like british choral writing uh uh and it, yeah. it's it's uh it, it's a like it is settings of of bits of the bible and psalms and stuff like that that are sort of connected to the plot uh which has to do with a um basically a, a uh, an observatory uh in rural england a small village uh in the 80s has like seen a thing, detected a thing with a radio telescopes and they are trying to make contact with the thing. But in making contact with the thing, the thing infects everyone in the town. And it's not malicious, but it is in fact killing everyone, sort of. But <laughs> I mean, it's uh, you get this beautiful yeah, spoilers. <laughs> it, it's this it's this it's For a this ten year old game or it's whatever. This yeah. entity from space. Sorry, that you know yeah. that that is Five. like like just uh like it is it is it is beautiful and transcendent and deeply deeply um interested in like the human condition uh, in an interesting mm-hmm. you know, and and like there's touching moments like nothing is malicious nothing is intentional but like everything is now going to end because of an basically like that uh, uh, mis- it's hard to understand how this all kind of fits together <laughs> the story itself uh is a lot of vignettes of 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 you're you're stumbling across slices of life of these people in like the mm-hmm. last days uh as you you go around this completely abandoned uh, village as if people have just poof gone. Everybody's gone to the rapture. They're gone. Um, and uh, this is a, a piece of music that exists uh, at a key key moment in in the game. It kind of like it's broken up into chapters. At the end of every chapter, there's a scene that you usually come across that then la- leads you down like a literal like like firefly lit garden path, and this music happens. Uh, mm. at this point and um, it was it brought me to tears the first time I heard it in the game and um, I really I think I think I wrote this arrangement in like an afternoon oh wow I don't know yeah. how it happens so fast like it does not diverge 
too much from the source material in terms of structure. But okay. obviously, we're not doing choir music. We're doing brass ensemble. Yeah. And it yeah. is a traditional quintet. There's nothing super crazy about it. Uh, but I tried very much to channel the sounds that I remembered hearing, you know, as a kid on, you know, listening to the Canadian brass, listening to mm -hmm. uh, this sort of thing, like going to sleep on uh, a winter's <laughs> evening, which is not related to what's in the game, but it is somehow like the moment in the game it has to do with uh, children and, and 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 there's a childlikeness to it that yeah. fits it. And so I wanted to kind of capture that as a brass piece. And yeah, I I'm really proud of it. Somehow it came yeah. out. It, it felt a little bit like I caught something special in a bottle on this one thing, if I do say so myself. And I don't think that it's necessarily me. I think it's really that it's just Jessica writing something that is kind of transcendent. I want to keep you all here for another hour, but I know that that's probably not very fair or realistic. So um, just kind of to, to wrap up, um, I, I would love to hear if you guys are gaming, what are you playing? And, uh, you know, maybe we could just end with that and just uh, definitely encourage people to buy this music. I mean, listen to it. If you like it, buy it, you know. Um, and uh, definitely check out the YouTube and all of those things. But, but, but yeah, let's go ahead and start down with John. I feel bad not having to not getting to talk to John much today. But uh, tell me, tell me what you're playing if you're playing stuff, John. Right now, I'm not really gaming that much. I'm basically just playing a little bit here and there. You know, I have the subscription to Nintendo Switch Online, and so I've nice. I've been spending my time doing Pokemon. The N64 puzzle, I think, I can't remember the name of it, but that's pretty much it. Whatever's on there, no switch online. Uh, Sweet. Virtual console, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. Robbie, how about you? What are you, what are you playing? Uh, right now, I'm slowly trying to work my way through the Live Alive re-release, remake, whatever you oh, want to call it. Oh, cool. Uh, it's, yeah. For those yeah. not familiar, it's a game from 1995 uh, that got remade for the Switch, and it was the first, or or one of the first game scores we got from Yoko Shimomura. So really, really good music, really interesting stuff. You can mm -hmm. still hear her style, like whatever. I'm not going to try and count how many years ago that is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still amazing stuff. And seeing it redone in the, uh, what they call the HD 2D engine. Uh, it's beautiful. It's, I'm really enjoying cool. it. Very cool. Daniel, how about you? Uh, most of the time I, I'm getting back into a link to the past randomizer again. Uh, if you're not familiar with the concept of a randomizer, basically it takes the game, 
shuffles the contents of all the chests in a way that still allows the game to be completable. So then every time you get to play a different game, it generates a new seed and you get a wow. new experience. So I speed this I speed run this game competitively at a pretty high level. I did very well wow. at one of the most recent tournaments for it. And there's going to be a league that will be starting up next month. So uh, myself and my two league teammates have been playing a bit more lately and awesome. in a voice call while doing so and having a generally good time doing it. Uh, Alex, how about you? Other than Destiny. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> always on and off playing Destiny. It yep. can never escape. Arc 3.0. Oh, yeah, yes. I love it. <laughs> but uh, other, other than Destiny, um, I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter. Um, oh, okay. I absolutely yeah. love Monster Hunter. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I think I'm about to start up uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2 because I oh, I just nice. saw that they announced like, uh, you know, Judgment just got released on Steam. Uh, some mm-hmm. new uh, Yakuza games are coming down. So I want to like catch up. Yep. And then, um, yeah. other than that, I'm I'm like a big VR enthusiast, so I play a lot of VR oh, games. Um, okay, a cool. lot of the footage that I capture for the game press is in VR. So oh, um, neat. I like okay. to dabble. I'm always in like VR chat, but I also like to dabble in whatever comes out. And uh, probably later this weekend, I just saw that uh, Half Life Two VR mod just got released, like officially on Steam. So wow. I'm probably gonna dive into that like tomorrow or something. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> so did you play um, Alex? Did you play Half-Life Alex? I did. I did, yeah. Yeah. That's What's fun. your favorite VR hardware piece? Do, is it the Valve in, is it the Valves or is it whose do you like the best? I like um I like the Valve Index. That's that's what I have right mm-hmm. now. Um I have mm-hmm. I previously do you have owned... it with the floating headset, the floating earphones one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're surprisingly so great. I didn't I didn't think I was going to yeah. like that, but I ended yeah. up really did like it. Um I yeah. used to have a Oculus um um, I had an old Oculus Rift, like the um, the first um, like commercial model, um, okay. and then oh, wow. I've, I've I've got to try some of the other ones, and they're all really great. All the headsets out right yeah. now are fantastic, um, but like for enthusiasts, uh, Index is the way to go, um, just yeah. because of how well it fits with everything. Yep, amazing. All right, Danny Flam, how about you? I uh, play chess. Do you really? Okay, yeah. for real. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's my favorite game. So that's been for years. Okay. Like I play, I played all these games, and I always come back to it. So that's yeah. Uh, Is do you play it online, or are you like one of those guys who goes to the park with the old ninety-two-year-old dudes and plays? I it? am the old ninety-two-year-old dude. So yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Did you learn that as a kid? Did you? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I play. Yeah. So that's that's. But I've, I've yeah. played video games since like, co- like the TRS eighty and the yeah. and the Commodore sixty four. <laughs> we had one for at sure. Home, yeah, you yeah. Know? Like, yeah. My neighbor had one. Like, yeah, one of those. It's like we graduated yeah. to the uh, oh the my neighbor my first video game I ever played was on and when when my neighbor upstairs neighbor bought a Apple three, uh, no Apple two C. Oh, we had an Apple two okay, C. That- yeah, yeah, and then and then and then he got the Apple three, which sucked. And then and then <laughs> and then yeah, the progression. That was the progression, right? Amazing, Thomas. How about you? Um, after having to listen to this album so many times over and over again, um, <laughs> the most recent thing I've actually played is the original Metroid. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> I felt I felt compelled to play that again. Yep. Yep, you got to talk about your choice. FTL hole, though. I was going to yeah. say, like, that's after that... the FTL binge that lasted. <laughs> but I, I did as much as I could on that. So, 
Wow. You're, you're really underselling this. He was listening to the FTL arrangement. He's like, we need footage for this. He had never played the game before, played it a okay. ton, made the whole video, and then went and like completed every achievement possible in the yeah, game. Yeah, proceeded to actually <laughs> like crush the boss over and over, unlocked all the ships. Dude, I just, he's like, I'm wow. just going to play some more FTL to capture footage. I'm like, we finished that video. <laughs> Good game. Like, if we don't need you anymore, yeah. <laughs> I mean, geez, I could rattle off a few games. I've gone a deep dive in like that, you know? I'm sure we all could. But, John Robert, what are you up to game and wise? Uh, well, uh, I've been dabbling in some VR stuff every now and again. Uh, okay. I kind of want to try to get good at this game called Knock, which is a, a VR... Uh, archery soccer game which looks kind of wild i picked it up it is it grabbed my attention because i am a avid uh rocket league player on pc i was just gonna say what else are we gonna combine with soccer we got soccer it with is, cars and yeah. is, it is it Love is it. basically like rocket league except you are uh shooting the ball with an arrow and I you mean, have three yes. arrows and every time you hit the ball with the arrow you get your arrow back but you can also fire the arrow and turn it into a block which will like last for like five seconds. Okay. So you could like shoot it and the ball will like bounce off of that and you've successfully defended. And Amazing. you're like grabbing the air and hurling yourself around to move. And it's weird. Wow. I'm terrible at this, but I think it would be a lot of fun to get good at. Yeah. Um, and that's a uh, VR game. It's a VR game. It's okay. out on like the I play I play on the Quest too, uh, and okay. it runs it it runs really smooth and looks real sharp. Nice. Uh, but there's that. Um, and uh, I, I, but on a regular basis, I'm playing some Rocket League. Uh, I'm floating in like the plat to diamond range. It's not great. And, you know, I have like <laughs> terrible losing streaks and then I climb, feel awful and then I climb back up anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then when I want to just have a nice time, I've been playing Deep Rock Galactic, which is a oh, great yeah, little. Yeah. yeah. Great music player. too. Yeah. Yeah. The music is so wonderful. It's like John Carpenter synth stuff, like super dark <laughs> uh, for a bunch of space dwarf roughnecks just out there yeah you know doing you know digging uh digging mines and fighting bugs and and then when i want to relax um i've got a uh, as if that isn't actually relaxing uh <laughs> i say this like i'm doing like this all the time i'm just barely speaking out anytime i yeah. i i got a i finally got a steam deck and oh neat okay fun the great steam deck game that i'm on right now is i'm finally playing chicory and oh lena rain's score for that is just marvelous. It's and really the good. Yeah, game is great. Yeah, I, and, yeah. and and I am really. Just, it's very easy to fall into this world and just paint stuff. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, it's great. Awesome. I love <laughs> anyway, it. Anyway, uh, wow. Robbie's over here complaining that I'm talking about all these games and he didn't even get to talk about his racing sim obsession. So. <laughs> Uh, like Forza he's building, stuff? He's building a cockpit in his house. I, I, have a, I mean, there was that phase that I had that with the, with the, with the racing car and the whole thing, and my whole house was a big racing car. Thing. That was <laughs> like you maybe did 10 the, years did, ago. You did, did you sleep in a race car bed? No, but we had like all the... And everything was rotating and vibrating, and then we were like, okay, enough. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I bought a racing wheel, and I got a cheap car seat off of Facebook Marketplace and now I play Racing Sims in my kitchen. <laughs> right now I'm working my way through uh, Gran Turismo 7 because uh, wow. another game audio guy I know, he started a, a league so then I've I've been racing. Okay. I've raced last night and I got like dead last. So okay. I'm terrible, but I'm having fun. Aren't they doing a Gran Turismo movie or is it Forza movie or something that I heard of that I don't know, maybe not. It's not I mean, ringing any bells right. for you. I bet you're be. right. No, I think you're right. I think there is a Gran okay. Turismo movie coming out, and people are like, how yeah. are they going to make this a right. thing? Right. Like, 
is it going to be like a serious like racing thing? Because that doesn't quite make sense. Is it going to be? I think you just started our new racing theme album. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, do we, do we announce it here? Do we talk about the title here? Is that what we did? <laughs> right. Oh, we did. We, we, right we away. accumulate, we okay, accumulate so ideas for tracks that we want to do. No, 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 no. So, so, oh, no. so, so here it is. Uh, uh, yeah, so Brasoline will be coming at some point in the future. <laughs> Brasoline. Yeah. Oh, it exists. Good Lord. Oh, wow. I love it. The track it. I most want to oh, cover is amazing. Moon Over the Castle. That is, that is as far as we got. There are racing track ideas on a spreadsheet. Yeah. There's, I can't confirm any more than that <laughs> you have to do horizon turbo was it horizon turbo chase ace yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my my, my uh my, turbo my girlfriend is really into that game and and the music in that is very good it's great you know, uh yeah. it's, it's really good it's good there's yeah. a lot of good stuff for racing games mm-hmm. you've got all your mario karts oh yeah you well you your... even got mario you got some rainbow road on here didn't you oh absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. love that, that one. was the last yeah. track um, love it and then it turns out that the only Rainbow Road that was licensable was Mario Kart 64's. So for the arrangement, I included a very small quote of the Rainbow Road themes for all of the Rainbow Roads. <laughs> Well, it's such a fantastic collection of music, and and again, you guys just sound so great. And um, you know, if 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 I had been a kid listening to this, I mean, it just would have changed my life. So I can imagine all the youngsters playing brass around the world that are listening to this album and having a similar experience, and it just makes me smile. So thank you all for for everything, and of course, all the collaborators that you had on the record too. I mean, they're just just really fantastic work so um you know i i will say goodbye now but i also want to give you one last chance to to say anything that you wish you could have said or uh anything before before that happens so uh fire away if there's any last thoughts from you i mean it's hard for us to decide who to jump in right yeah Uh, yeah first of all thank you thank you thank you uh yeah thanks said some some extremely (laughs) lovely things i think that as a group, we really want to to sort of bridge the gap between that that classical world and that video game world. Mm-hmm. And in the same way as the the Canadian brass, take the music very, very seriously and ourselves not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh yeah, it just we've been a band for five years now and having opportunities to to share this kind of music and, and bridge those gaps has been really, really important to us. And it's a kind of a core thing for us. So thank you. Thank you very much. Of course. Well, thank you all and uh, enjoy your rest of your day in whatever part of the country you're in. And uh, and I, I'm just looking forward to whatever's coming up next, whether it's Brasoline or get the brass out of here or whatever it is. I'm just excited, <laughs> excited for it. So thanks, fellas. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about the game Brass, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of our chat with the game Brass on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. And please do subscribe to the YouTube channel so you get uh, new videos of interviews and the like. Join us on Discord, too. That link is in the show notes. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.